turn to your Bibles to Genesis chapter 12. We're going to begin a new series, and I'm really excited about this. Uh, the journey we'll take as a church, uh, corporately and as individuals. Uh, we're going to study the life of a great man in the Bible. His name's Abraham. And um, I know I've preached a certain text around Abraham, but I've never studied his life in depth to the degree we will. And I'm really excited about that. And uh, we're going to begin that this morning and uh, look at several things about how Abram comes on the scene. We'll start with chapter 12, verse 1 through 6, then we'll pray. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to land which I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great. And so you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. And the one who curses you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went forth as the Lord had spoken to him. And Lot went with him. Now Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his nephew, and all their possessions which they had accumulated and the persons which they had acquired the persons which they had acquired in Haran and they set out for the land of Canaan thus they came to the land of Canaan and Abram passed through the land as far as the site of Shechem to the oak of Morah now the Canaanite was in was then in the land let's pray Lord as we approach your word we recognize that all scripture is God breathed these are your words you have left them here, God, for us to hear your heartbeat. And Lord, it's my prayer as we go through not only this morning, but through this series in the weeks ahead, that we would hear you. You'd clarify things in our mind. You'd open our eyes to see your truths. God, we'd have a greater sense of your work in our life, what you are doing and what you want to do. This morning, God, we just pray, Holy Spirit, you'd open our hearts, open our minds, open our eyes to receive all that you have for us this morning. For it's in your name, Jesus, we do pray. Amen. Now, as I thought about this, and I thought, okay, if I'm sitting out where you are, one of the questions I might be asking is, why would we want to study the life of Abraham? Why him? Well, one of the reasons, I think, is Abraham's journey translates truth into life. Especially as we look at his journey, we begin to think more about our journey. We cannot connect with the authentic account, or we can connect with the, this authentic account, and it resonates with us in our own journey. I think there's another reason, and that is the study of Abraham creates a closer connection with someone we've admired from afar. In other words, we begin, almost as we go through the study, we're going to be start thinking like this is another friend that we didn't know before real well. And he's going to mentor us in a sense. And he's going to impact us as we begin to look at his life. And we're going to find this offer of stability when we go through similar experiences. I also believe the study of Abraham will help us maintain a divine perspective on life. Because when you and I observe Abraham and his life, there's a connection with our journey. We, begin, we gain a much broader view of our circumstances. 
Those are three significant reasons. And there's a whole lot more we could mention, but those three highlighted in my mind. Chapter 1 begins, Now the Lord. I think we ought to stop right there. The Lord. The Lord speaking to Abraham. I want to stop just for a moment and think, well, what do we know up to this point about the Lord? I mean, as we get to Genesis 12, there's 11 chapters before then. Uh, What did we learn? Well, one of the things we learn is Jesus said it in John 8 to the Pharisees. They're arguing about his identity, and he said, hey, this is our father Abraham. Are you think you're greater than him? And he said, before Abraham was born, I am. So one thing we know about Abraham is Jesus Christ already existed, as he's God the Son, and so we know that. The other thing we know from Matthew 1 is the life of Abraham points to the life of Christ. It points forward. We're going to talk about that in the weeks ahead. But as we looked at the first 11 chapters of Genesis, we learn in the beginning God created everything. The universe, and our sun, and Al put a neat picture of the moon on Facebook. That was cool. God spoke that, and the moon showed up. Uh, this planet, and he populated it with plants, fish, birds, animals, and finally humans. And it was good. Matter of fact, the Bible says it was very good. That is, until Adam and his wife Eve, the first humans, violated their creators. Only one and only rule. And when they chose to disobey, despite the Creator's grave warning, everything changed. Everything. You see, their rebellion affected how the world operated. Before the fall, everything worked in perfect harmony with God and His grace. But after sin entered the world, the world quickly became a place characterized by suffering, disease, pain, disharmony, and selfishness and death. People born with Adam's rebellious nature, and within a few generations, the entire human race became so corrupt, God wiped out all but a handful of lives. We know them as Noah and his family. Well, several generations after this new beginning, human population rebounded. But unfortunately, the moral condition was not much better. People lived by their own rules, which included all kinds of perversions and idolatry. God could have turned his back on his creation. Who would have blamed him? He could have left humanity to its own self-destructive ignorance. He owed humanity nothing. He could have done that. But even so, God established a plan to redeem the world, beginning with a certain man. And he would make this man a picture of saving grace and establish him as a founding father of a new and dynamic nation. In time, as God's plan unfolded, this nation would become the instrument in which all the world might hear of the one true creator. God's plan of redemption, you could say, began with a man named Abram. And that's the name, that's the man we're going to study. Amazing life as we read about him. And so the Lord is from eternity past. We see the first chapters of 11, God's plan, and it slowly begins to unfold. But the Bible reveals some significant things I think we need to make sure we keep in mind as we go through the series. And that is the God of the Bible is the only deity in existence. He's not one of many. There is one God and no other. The Bible denies the validity of any religion or philosophy which does not acknowledge God. 
as he has revealed himself as the sole object of worship. If you miss that, you miss a lot in your journey. As sole creator of the universe, he has both the authority and the ability to rule over all people, all creation. In that, his sovereignty is absolute. He is morally perfect. He thus the sole judge of what is right and what is wrong. God's love for people is infinite. It's without boundaries. His love cannot be measured because it has no end. His grace is inexhaustible in its supply. We need to be assured of that as we go through our study. Also, God's guidance is unpredictable from a human perspective. He often leads people into places and circumstances that are surprising. You probably know that from experience, and we're going to certainly learn that this morning for sure. Also, God's blessings upon his people are astonishing. While just, he extends mercy. He gives us far more than we deserve. And furthermore, his grace is unstoppable, even by our rebellious rejection of him. And so with these essential facts in mind, let's begin our study of this amazing journey, this life of Abraham. And let's put ourselves in his sandals. We need to do that. Let's look at his call. Abraham's journey is unique. His call blazed a trail, really, for all of us in our spiritual journey. Now up to this point, especially when we looked at the few chapters before this, God's dealt with man in general. He's dealt with the nations of the world. But now he deals with one man and one nation. It's almost as if his zoom lens begins to focus in on his plan of redemption beginning with this one man through which the whole world would be reached. In chapter 12, again, we find his name's Abram. Matter of fact, for the first 99 of his 175 years, he answered to Abram. In chapter 11, verse 28, he lived around the end, we know, of the early Bronze Age. We're talking about 2000 B.C. In a thriving and bustling and cultured city known as the Ur of Chaldeans. The land of the Chaldeans, also known as Mesopotamia, really was located in what present-day Iraq. Appreciated what this one historian said. He said, Few periods of history are as well documented by artifacts and inscriptions as in the time of Abraham. Thus we know quite a bit about the culture that Abram lived in. Abram now is just an ordinary person in his culture. Ordinary member of society. No different from his neighbors. Upon his birth, he received a name that means the father is exalted. Most likely at that point, it referred to a deity that they worshipped. You see, people in ancient Mesopotamia worshipped a pantheon of mythical gods ruled by one, this moon god, ironically called Sin. They regarded this moon god as this lord of heaven type, this, this creator type. And like his relatives and neighbors, Joshua 24.2 tells us, Abram worshipped idols and accepted mythology as truth. Amazing. Even so, God appeared specifically to Abram and gave him a personalized instructions. He said, I want you to leave all of this and go to a new place. Now it's important to note a couple things. Back in that society, in that 
culture, there were primarily three very significant things that people held very dear. Matter of fact, they were very prestigious. One was land. Land was incredibly valuable. Family was another one. This idea of descendants or the future. And a third thing that was most significant was one's inheritance. Land, family, inheritance. Why is that important? God calls Abram to leave all three. That's, that's a tough call. To leave all three of them. And it's important to also note that God didn't appear to a group of people and offer this general invitation to follow. We should also observe that Abram didn't seek out God for a relationship. It's doubtful maybe Abram even heard of the one true God at this point. We don't know that for sure. But by an act of pure grace, God dipped his hand into this idolatrous hole to select Abram. And so when we read chapter 12, verse 1, don't fly past it. Recognize God's appearing and calling an ignorant, sinful, superstitious, idol worshiper. God called Abram for reasons we don't know. It's called grace. And it reminds me, because I read that, I'm kind of surprised by that. I mean, certainly wouldn't he have picked somebody else I mean, who had a little bit more together? <laughs> uh, he didn't, but isn't that kind of the way God works? He's kind of surprising. It's not like this is the first time he's done something surprising. Flood was coming. God predicted. He told Noah, hey, build an ark. Didn't see that one coming. I'm sure. We have Daniel in the lion's den as we move forward in history. Joshua, you want victory over this place called Jericho? March around, shout, the walls will fall. Seriously, really. That had to have been a surprising technique. Jonah, I want you to go to the most wicked people. Matter of fact, these are people you hate. Those are the people I want you to go to preach and you're going to... Mass repentance, really. And so God is a God of surprises. Matter of fact, we know a Savior was born in a little hick town called Bethlehem. What a surprise. God works in surprising ways, and it begins, we really, really see it in Abram, in his choosing of Abram. Now note also the way he guided Abram. First of all, he begins with a clear command, go forth. Go. What that really means is don't stay. <laughs> Move. Go forth from your country. To receive the blessing, Abram was to leave behind everything he relied on for safety and provision. Again, those big three. Land, inheritance, and family. He's supposed to leave it behind. I don't know about you, if moving's not easy, is it? If you've made a long move, like we've moved from Wisconsin to a land unknown. God said, go, actually, this is one of the passages he used, go forth. And there's that sense of we're leaving that which is familiar, that which is really safe. We have a sense of provision. And that's hard to move. And yet the command was clear. Somehow, Abram, who had no real connection to God, all of a sudden could hear him. And so we don't read him going, who are you or anything like that. He, he hears it. He knows it's God. And it began with a clear command. It led to an uncertain destination. Matter of fact, Hebrews 11.8, you want to jot it down, but I want you to hear it because this is pretty significant. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed 
by going out to a place which he was to receive as an inheritance, and he went out, get a load of this, not knowing where he was going. There's not one of us who'd sign up for that, by the way. God, I'll go. I don't really, it just surprise me when we get there. I'll just go. There's not as many adventuresome spirits like that. And, but God called Abram to go to a place, a destination, he didn't know. Now, put yourself in Abram's spot. He's about 75 years old. He has a wife who's in mid-60s. You've lived in one place your whole life. You established homestead. You're a member of the family, of the community. Suddenly the Lord appears to you in physical manifestation, whether it's visual or auditory, we don't know. You can't deny supernatural, though. He tells you to pack up, start moving toward this unknown destination. And everything in us would recoil at obeying. We'd think of excuses. Might have been something I ate. I'm not sure that was God. Um, And we would start to justify maybe not going. This call without complete information, that's disturbing to us. Especially those of us who really like everything clarified, every I dotted every T crossed, and we want it clearly laid out before we'll even get out of the chair. And for those types, this is incredibly challenging. But it began with a clear command. That's how he guided Abraham. It led to an uncertain destination. And third, it called for an obedient response. Verse 4. So Abraham went forth as the Lord had spoken to him. He was supposed to go forth. He was supposed to move. And it required an obedient response. No negotiations. This clear call required complete obedience. And so we have this call on Abram's life. But then God speaks to him of a promise. He says in verse 2, 3, repeats it, I will, I will, I will, (laughs) I will. God's going to do something. He's promising Abram some things. You know, when God makes a promise, we can live in anticipation of its fulfillment. We can trust him to fulfill his word. Now in the Bible, we see various types of covenants. These covenant promises in both the human realm and the divine realm. We see this sense of that covenants kind of mean different things to a certain degree because you have unconditional covenants. Unconditional covenants, straightforward promise that contains no stipulations. But then you have conditional covenants meaning that the covenant's fulfillment by one party depends upon the fulfillment by another party. They usually include if-then statements. If you do this, then this will happen. Those are conditional covenants. The one God makes with Abram Abram is unconditional. Now he does tell Abram, he says, I will bless you if you do this. And if you you respond to this, I will bless you. But we don't read any of the if-then statements. Statements. Matter of fact, later in Abram's life, we're going to see a remarkable encounter of how God, in a sense, ratifies this covenant. These were simple declarations God makes. I will. I'm going to do this. Now note also the covenant promise include three areas of blessing. Look at verse 2 through 3. I will make you a great nation, one. And I will bless you personally, two. And make your name great, so you shall be a blessing, And I will bless all those who bless you, curse all those who curse you, and three, and all the families of the earth shall be blessed. We have three major areas of blessing. National, personal, international. Start with the national. God promised a national blessing. 
Abram's descendants would be too numerous to count. They would be enough to form a large nation. Now let's not overlook the promises made to a man in his 70s. Today we know that God had had in mind the nation of Israel. And as history tells us, Abraham's the father of the Hebrew people. And God made this promise to bless a nation without conditions. And as we will see when this journey became rough, confidence wavered, God would have to reaffirm this unconditional covenant. That's why we read and rest the scripture, God says, don't mess with my chosen people. Don't mess with this nation of Israel. We would be wise to keep that in our mind today in the world we live. Abram would have to wait on God's timing. We don't like waiting. But that's when God really, I found out, does his real work. When you and I are forced to wait on God's timing, we change. I think when we're forced to wait, we discover that our, our requests sometimes are really selfish. Other times we realize our level of maturity could not handle the weight of blessing that God had. And as we see Abram's faith journey unfold, we'll see why he had to change or the blessing would become a burden. We'll also see why he had to wait so long to receive God's promise, blessing. And so God promised a national blessing. He also promised a personal, unconditional blessing. This included great wealth as far as personal protection. We see it in Genesis 13.2, Genesis 24.35. It's interesting, Genesis 23.6, the people recognize Abraham as one being honored prince among us. God used his riches in remarkable ways. God blessed in temporal ways. God blessed him in spiritual ways. God had blessed him with personal, unconditional blessing. And thirdly, God promised an international, unconditional blessing. You see, on top of the national and personal blessings, God heaped a blessing upon all of humanity, that all the families of the earth will be blessed through you, he said. Now this refers to all races and nationalities, the whole world. God would bring a blessing to all people through the descendants, the Hebrew nation. In God's grand plan to redeem the world from sin and evil, God built a nation founded upon one man's faith. This nation, we're told, would be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation, responsible for leading rebellious, idol-worshiping nations into a relationship with the one true God. We read in other passages of Scripture, God's purpose for this nation. God established the Hebrew people as, according to Isaiah 42, a light for the nations to open the eyes of the blind. Isaiah 49, God says, I will make you a light to the Gentiles, and you will bring salvation to the ends of the earth. That's an amazing purpose he had for this nation, for these people. And to help them accomplish this task, he situated Israel over a little land bridge nestled between the expansive Arabian desert and the Mediterranean Sea. In other words, anyone traveling between these great empires of the ancient world, Egypt, Assyria, or Babylon, had to pass through the land promised to Abram's descendants. And if Israel remained faithful to their calling, all the merchants and armies and business people would see this blessed nation and ask, who is this king who makes you so prosperous? Who is this king who makes you so secure? 
The Israelites could say, our God is the king of Abram. That's who our God is. Would you like to know him? And so God placed them in such a strategic place to be a light to the nations. In verse 5 through 6, we read, Abram took Sarah's wife and Lot, his nephew, and all their possessions, and they had accumulated the persons which they had set out for the land of Canaan. So after spending much of his life, perhaps from birth, in the order of the Chaldeans, Abram's called to leave. Now he's called to leave specifically. Notice, country, relatives, his father's house. Sadly, he didn't obey completely. When he left Ur, Abram brought along his father, Terah. Acts 7 seems to imply that. His nephew, Lot. And with them came their possessions. And so Abram moved in the general direction of Canaan, this land God had promised. But he traveled no further than Haran. Abram's caravan got sidetracked. Now, I thought about, why would that be? I mean, why not just, what's, what's he thinking? What would, what would compel him to stop at Haran? Perhaps an obstacle that stood before Abram in complete obedience was the moon god, Sin, whom Abram's family worshipped. And this worship of this moon god had two principal places of worship. Ur the Chaldeans, and anyone want to guess the second one? Haran. Especially if daddy's along. Daddy might say, son, let's just stop here for a little bit. I want to call upon sin. And so we don't see complete obedience. Not only does dad come along, Lot comes along, his nephew. Lot's father died, and I don't know, maybe Abram had this sense of fatherly uh, a protection over him. We don't know why, but he wasn't supposed to bring Lot. Lot came, and he had disastrous consequences for him being along, which we'll study down the road. Life-threatening distraction, for sure. And God's call on Abram's life, God's call on your life, and my life, requires complete obedience. And so we got a call. We got a promise, an incredible promise to Abram, the nation of Israel. And third, just like Abram, there needs to be a response. And as you and I reflect upon Abram's beginning steps of his journey, I want to encourage you to examine your faith, to examine your own faith journey by beginning by asking yourself three penetrating questions I think are very significant. Are you seeking God's will deliberately, passionately? Is it a high priority? Are you seeking God's will, His call, deliberately? And as you and I go through this study, you and I are going to learn to discern what that call is, what His will is. A second question. Are you willing to go should God lead just as much to stay? Or if I could flip-flop it. Are you as willing to stay as much as you are to go? Are you willing to do that? This study through Abraham's going to teach you and I how to wait. We're going to learn how to wait. Now, I don't know about you, that's a lesson I can never get enough of. The third question, are you following God in complete obedience in your journey? Are you following Him in complete obedience? Or is there clutter hindering your walk? 
in the study through Abraham, we're going to learn to let go. You see, our study is going to guide us through this process as we learn to discern and we learn to wait and we learn to let go. All three things you and I need, this study of Abraham is going to teach us. And so God invites you and I to journey with this nomad in the weeks ahead. He wants to do a work in you. He wants to do a work in I. And so this morning, it's time that you and I begin to respond to this invitation. Let's pray. Lord, what an exciting life you call us to. I think really the only reason our life becomes dull and predictable is because we're not listening to you. It seems you're always calling your people to steps of faith. A sense of risk in our journey, or at least what we would see as risk. And I thank you for the life of this man you've preserved in your word, Abram. God, we confess this morning we have much to learn. We do need to learn how to discern, God. We do need to learn how to wait. We certainly do need to learn to let go. All lessons I believe you really want us to learn, among others. And so God, it's my prayer that each person here will this morning accept the call to follow you wherever you would lead. Unreserved, letting go of it all. And Lord, might each heart in here invite you to have your way in the weeks ahead as we journey with Abraham. I thank you for what you're going to do and even now are doing. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.